Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Elwood City Limits, the Episodic Arthur podcast. My name's Will Young, and uh, it's really good to hear from you once again. Or I guess, well, I guess you're hearing from me, but I'm glad that you are. Uh, yeah, so me starting off an episode well, can mean a couple different things. But this time, it means that we're at the end of a season of Arthur. That's right, me and Lucas are going to be giving our full thoughts on Season 9. And we're getting ready to enter our first double-digit season, Season 10, which is very special for a couple of reasons, which we'll get into uh, next week. Um, Yeah, so I, of course, have had a great time going through all of these episodes. And I'm going to be giving my thoughts in a little bit. We're going to go to Lucas first, as we usually like to do. But I also wanted to take this opportunity since, uh, you know, it's a little bit of an irregular week, an irregular episode. We don't do these all that often. Um, And if you haven't uh, yet, I would recommend that you check out the ECL Flash Forward that dropped in your feeds on Wednesday with Kara Oliver. It's a really great episode. I'm very proud of it. And I think Kara is somebody that you would really want to hear from. Now, not just that, of course, we've got a... uh, Uh, Well, I'm actually recording this on Friday, so this one's coming in a little bit under the wire. So coming out later today for our patrons, we've got our For the Kids episode on the Magic School Bus. So it's a pretty big week, uh, whether you're on the free feed or whether you are a patron. But I didn't want to neglect those people who have sent us in emails, so I wanted to read off a couple here, a couple of our new ones. Uh, before we get into any season thoughts. So over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com is where you can get yours read. First one here, speaking of patrons, is from Michaela Gibson. Uh, Hello from the great state of Kansas. I've had several very long road trips in the past year that I've been on, and I'm grateful this podcast has been around to get me through long hours on the road. No problem. I just listened to the episode on Binky Goes Nuts, and it reminded me of when my third grade class had a new student with a peanut allergy. We were told about this new kid well before he came, and I remember the rumors about peanut allergies flowing. One girl told a story about a guy who was so allergic to peanuts that he would die if he looked at the peanut butter aisle in the supermarket. Just stupid kid stuff like that. I'm kind of glad the episode didn't go in that direction, since I feel we've had a lot of episodes on Arthur that focus on unfounded speculation. Well, that's that, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a step too far, but I can imagine a time in my life where I might... I. I'd say might probably would have believed something like that just because, you know, you're young and all that kind of stuff. Also, I'm super excited for y'all to begin watching season 10. I'd say this season and 11 are probably some of the most memorable seasons for me. I lived overseas in Europe during late 2006 to 2009, and since there was no English kids programming on TV, my parents and I bought DVDs for TV shows we wanted to watch instead, which means I had some Arthur DVDs. They're still kicking around somewhere. I had season 10 and 11 on DVD and probably watched all the episodes from those seasons at least 200 times each. Personal favorites are Do You Speak George, World Girls, What's Cooking, Feeling Flush, Germophobia, Mind Your Manners, uh, this one will have quite a few contenders for Throwaway Character of the Week, Brain's Shocking Secret, and Big Brother Binky. I'm definitely looking forward to see what y'all think about the episodes specifically, and really all the episodes in the next two seasons. My question is, which of all the Arthur pets would you want as your own personal pet, and why? I'm inclined to say Nemo, despite his occasional meanness, just because I'm a sucker for cats, but Killer could be fun too. That's from Michaela. Well, I mean, it's it's no secret for me. We're going to have to wait a week to ask Lucas this question, but I mean, come on. It's got to be Pal. 
Pal's my boy. Pal's my Pal's my good my good little boy. So I could never I could never turn my back on him. Uh, but I'll be interested to see what Lucas has to say. My if okay, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a guess, and then next week we'll see if my guess is right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's a Nemo guy. He I think I th- I think that he's a Nemo guy. Our next one comes in from David Morales. I recently watched the episode where DW recounts her time giving up her bunk bed, and I do believe it can still fit within the Arthur lore. An unreliable narrator. Wow, okay, we're really getting into it. An unreliable narrator is a narrator whose credibility is compromised. I believe DW could serve as this archetype. She's young, and I do think it would be possible she would conflate her current reality with her past. For example, in the case of the dropped ice cream, she could have assumed Pal was there just because Pal has been a part of her life for, say, a little under a fifth of her life now. Well, that's a good point. Seeing that she's going four, she's four going on five, and to her, Pal has been there for a lot longer than he really has been. Also, in the case of Arthur's glasses, I'm sure you have met someone who originally didn't have glasses and then did, and now you can't imagine them without them. This is all taking place in DW's memory, so it is believable, again, that she would conflate reality and give Arthur glasses prematurely and assume he couldn't see her because he didn't have his glasses on, when in reality, he just didn't know how poor-sighted he was yet. Interesting, David. Um, that's something that I honestly hadn't thought about, and maybe I should have. Uh, the fact that, well, memory can be a little bit treacherous, even for grown for people who are grown up. And DW, although she is, you know, voiced rather intelligently, she is still a little kid. It's 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 wild. I'm starting to so. My my niece uh, just turned four recently, and in my head I'm just like, okay, she's now DW's age, and there's it's been fun comparing her to DW, and uh, uh, similar in a couple of ways, very different in many, and so I think that it's uh, that could be important to consider next time that there's a that there's a little bit of discontinuity or something to that effect. So thank you for that one. And this last one is from Funith. Thank you for the pronouncer. I really appreciate it. So, uh, guys, if if uh, you if you ever want to make sure, again, I, I feel I I think I've said this before, but if you're um, if you want to make sure that I pronounce your name right, or if you want me to make sure I get your pronouns correct, please include them in the email. I always want to be uh, very sensitive to those things. I don't like to uh, mis- misgender or mispronounce people's names. So thank you, Funith. No, con- <laughs> he didn't cause any confusion. I was just concerned that, you know, I didn't want to get an angry email or anything. <laughs> Uh, so you and Lucas talk about anime series from time to time, so I was wondering if you cover things like fan projects, for example, Dragon Ball Z Abridged, Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged, and even webcomics. Things like that inspire me to do something very similar. In fact, I've been working on a My Hero Academia fan manga that I've been publishing, currently 20 pages in, where the main character is pretending to be a villain after a tragedy. If you ever find the time to check it out, and uh, Funith gave me the link there. I think I will check that out when I'm done here. Um, yeah, so fan projects. I feel like... For me personally, this was something that I was way into when I was younger, uh, high school age and such, because I think around that time, so to put that in perspective, uh, YouTube came out when I was in high school, so I didn't have it for that whole time, and then once YouTube started and I was getting into university, then you started to see those types of fan projects, and there's, you know, there's a... a, uh, uh, dozens if not hundreds of you know abridged projects out there because the good ones set the bar pretty high so I was a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh abridged for a long time when I was in uni- high school university same with uh, DBZA big fan of DBZA um, although I say that but with the recent announcement that they are pretty much ending for now I was just like 
that's pretty good. Like the way that the that their take on the cell saga ended seemed pretty definitive and there was a couple of references here and there where it's just like they're not going to do the boost saga are they so i think they intended to but the way they left it i think is is just fine honestly um fan projects i mean i think those are great i think they're great for i think it's kind of a young person's game to be honest with you um because when you get to be older, like, let's say, Little Karibo or uh, Team Four Star, you can, you know, put money into it. You can put more time into it. You can, like, hire people. But I think that, to me, you know, just taking clips of a of a show that you like and doing your own silly dub over it is something that you should do when you're young. And, you know, kind of like this podcast. Like, you should do it for fun or, or, or fan manga or webcomics. I was never – I never had a webcomics phase, to be honest with you. I knew a lot of people who did. But, uh, yeah, never really got into webcomics itself. So, uh, yeah. Um, so thank you, Funith, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. I'm interested to read this fan manga. Well, thanks, everybody. I'll uh, relay those questions to Lucas next week. And speaking of Lucas, it's time to hand things over to him. So we're going to be talking about our... Um, we're going to be talking about our um, experience with Arthur Season 9. And then we will both be giving our top five. So how, will the, how this will go is I will hand things over to Lucas. After Lucas, we'll have a quick break, and then we'll be back with my thoughts and uh, just some... Uh, closing out notes, what you can expect going forward. What is up, party people? It's a beautiful day out here in gorgeous, picturesque, by the sea, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Coming to you live from the epicenter, the peninsula, my new home. With my top five Arthur episodes of season nine. Heard a lot of talk about the old season nine. Okay, everybody's saying, oh, this is a great season. You know, season eight was a sleeper. Can't wait for you guys to get to season nine. And at first I was coming in here, I was getting ready to be like, listen, y'all steered me wrong. Jokes aside, I'm sure you guys would never steer me wrong. But I was at first had a kind of a bad taste in my mouth about season nine. Thinking it was kind of middle of the road or, you know, not so great. But looking back over some of these episodes... There are some actual, like, really memorable episodes in the pack. I think it's just a little bit of a front-loaded season. Um, And near the end, it kind of tapers out a little bit. Um, That being said, uh, whenever we go over the top five, you know, I'm always remiss of that. I don't keep track of what episodes I really like, so I kind of have to look at the Wikipedia article and, like, remind myself, oh, yeah, that was this episode. Um, And it's a mark of a really good season when that process is kind of easy because the episodes are so memorable. So without further ado... Let's take a look at, at my top five. Why don't we? Number five, tipping the scales. The return of Dr. Fugue. Dr. Fugue, the evil music teacher. Um, that's basically the main reason why this episode is here is because I was happy to see that Dr. Fugue was not just a throwaway character of the week. He did come back. Um, and there's depth to his characterization. And it was fun to watch him like bring the kids together. I remember that episode having a really incredible montage. Uh, now, you know, not the greatest episode in the world. That's why it's number five, but exceptional enough. Um, and welcome back, Dr. Fugue, legend of the game. Next episode is, of all things, an Emily episode. Emily swallows a horse. Another big return, this time the return of the bizarro Arthur dream sequence. Me and Will have been lamenting. It's not since season three we've seen some of that bizarre imagery that we used to see in those early Arthur episodes. And Emily swallows a horse gets downright Lynchian in the second half. 
Um, that's one where uh, it's just it's just a wild ride. You could show some a scene from the end of Emily Follow- Swallows a Horse, and you could ask them, hey, what do you think is going on in these Arthur episode? And they'd be completely speechless. So I think it makes this list just for that alone. Number three is one that me and Will actually didn't see eye to eye on. Um, I think I liked it a little bit more than Will did. Uh, and that is A is for Angry, uh, a completely bizarre Arthur episode, but for totally different reasons than when usually we say an episode's weird, it's because it has some of that, like, dream sequence stuff. The long arm of the law, Arthur getting digested by the clam, etc., etc. Um, A is for Angry is just, like, structurally odd, where, like, Arthur, like, blows his gasket for no reason. The whole episode's hyped up like a wrestling match between Arthur and Brain in this big, like, checkers tournament. Some of the characters in motivations are kind of inscrutable. There's this weird, like, side thing with Muffy being a reporter. Uh, it sounds like I'm hating on my number three episode of the season, but in reality, uh, all of this stuff made me kind of glued to the screen. This episode really surprised me with how kind of wrapped up in the whole thing I was. I I almost felt like I was one of the kids on the sidelines who are overly competitive and kind of ruin the experience for Arthur and Brain and that I was getting that kind of invested in this whole checkers tournament. So that's why that one is so high on the list. Uh, uh, And also keep in mind, there's a couple, you know, busy month for me, right? I moved. There's a couple episodes here that I was like, oh yeah, I didn't get to watch that one with Will. So so this will be interesting. Will's list is probably going to be greatly uh, divergent from mine. This will come as no surprise to anyone, though. My number two episode of the season, one of the last episodes we watched this season, Beaky Goes Nuts. It always, always is going to be a Binky episode near the top of the list. Usually the very top, but I'll explain why not in a second. Uh, Binky Goes Nuts, everything we like from an Arthur episode, right? Nuanced moral, talking about like growing up, discovering you have a new allergy and feeling alienated, uh, but done in a really uh, not after school specially heavy handed way, done in a really clever, funny way. And I've already told other people about the whole bit with the kids who are allergic to their own hands. That's just like an all time great Arthur joke. Uh, so Binky Goes Nuts is probably like the most solid recommendation I could give of the season if you're going to watch any episode from this season, but that's not to say it's my personal favorite because my personal favorite is actually an episode from very early in the season and that's The Law of the Jungle Gym in which, and it's a Muffy episode, which if you listen to old episodes of this show, you would never think that we'd have a Muffy episode at the top of the top five. Uh, but it's because it does a lot of things in a really unique way that we haven't seen Arthur do before in terms of we have Muffy and we also have um, Molly of the Tough Customers, the two M's, going head to head. And this episode is really interesting because we get to see, first of all, we get to see more of Molly, which now that Binky's kind of a known quantity, all the kind of rough around the edges but a heart of gold kind of stuff we now have to kind of look for molly for that kind of character growth and character development and molly's just freaking cool she's grunge she's like her room looks sick her whole like style's sick she likes that cool band um and it was really interesting to see kind of her and muffy going head to head and kind of seeing muffy not just play a straight villain uh this episode plays on muffy's best qualities and that she's so kind of unashamedly herself. She's not scared to back down even when Molly's all intimidating. So it brings out really interesting moments from between both of those characters. We get all the fun stuff with, like, uh, Muffy's fashion show. Um, We get, you know, Binky on the sidelines. I always would talk about how in uh, 
DW episodes when Arthur is more of a cameo character. It's always really fun to see Arthur be like, or DW's idea of Arthur, or Arthur kind of in a different role than we're used to seeing him. Same with Binky. Binky on the sidelines kind of like pitching in in this episode, as well as like Rattles, uh, is always fun. We love the tough customers here on Elwood City Limits. So that's why Law of the Jungle Gym is my favorite episode of the season. But I want to know... Which ones did you guys like? You guys are the big season nine guys, right? You guys love season nine so much. I'm just shaking. I'm just nagging you guys. I love. I, I I season nine was a good season. Onward and upward. Excited for season ten. Uh, let us know what you think in the Discord. And I I don't remember if Will puts this part before his part or after his part. So we'll hear from Will, or you've already heard from Will in just a second. <laughs> This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content. Support us as well by going to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood city dash limits dash store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits where you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send Send us a message either on social media or an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, let's get back to the show. All right, we're back at it. Hey, everybody, it's Will again. And yeah, I guess now it's time for me to talk about Arthur Season 9, the season that was. It feels like, it ha- well, I guess it has been longer since we've done this because, I mean, uh, we've started to do the Patreon show and everything. So the ECL episodes are coming out every two weeks now. So I guess it will feel like a little bit longer. feels like more of a journey, but it wasn't all that long ago. But we started off with Castles in the Sky and uh, continued on through Season 9. So, yeah, this was the very first season where I didn't know what was coming, and honestly, kind of like that. I I appreciate not knowing every twist and turn that's going to be coming. Um, There's a lot of... um, there's a lot of value to me in rediscovering Arthur. There's been... it's been a great time. It really has... um, being, you know, being the authority, I'm like, oh, yes, I remember this episode. I know exactly what happens. But now I'm happy to go on the roller coaster ride. I'm happy to not know what's up ahead. Uh, that way I can be surprised more. Uh, and this, there were definitely a couple surprises in this season. I think that this kind of, it, it I kind of fall in the middle with season nine, which is, which is, which is totally fine. Uh, because that usually means that there were some really good episodes, and then there were some that eh, didn't really do it for me. There, there were a couple of times that I felt like they tried to tackle something, and it didn't really work. Although I appreciate Arthur trying. Um, there was the announcement this week that Arthur has been nominated for a Daytime Emmy in this year 2020, and very happy for them. And I think that means that 
you know, Arthur is a show that is consistently relevant. It And I think part of that has to do with the fact that they're not afraid to tackle issues. And sometimes it doesn't come out all the way. Uh, you know, my specific example being... Um, my specific example being Arthur weighs in. Uh, not a fan of that episode or how it tackled things, but at the same time, it's like it's the episode itself is 16 years old. So attitudes have changed, and I think that for the time, it might have been received a lot better. And uh, it's okay if we have a bit of criticism about it or we feel some way that isn't positive. I, I like to think that we are a podcast that ultimately celebrates the work that we're talking about. We're not just here to to crap on it. We're, you know, we usually offer up ways that this could have been improved. And honestly, what's and you know, what's done is done. We're never we're not going to change the episode or expecting the episode to be changed or deleted or anything like that, but you can't expect when you even when you have a podcast about something, whether it be a band or a or a series or a movies, that you're not going to love absolutely everything. That's impossible. So I think it's important to keep that in perspective. And thankfully, there were a lot of high points to this season. Uh, I again looking forward to further seasons where, you know, I you know I've heard whispers of episodes of like, oh, this is this one or this is this one. I'm like, I've always wanted to watch that, but I've never had a reason to before now. Uh, yeah, so I'll be keeping a I'll be keeping a close eye on those episode descriptions, and uh, as I'm also a big fan of more guest stars. Um, especially I like that Arthur has been doing guest stars that like. I don't even know about. It's something like maybe your parents know about Rodney Gilfrey, maybe not. But again, I like that Arthur is a show where they can represent, they can truly represent a diverse segment of people. Frank Gehry uh, this season, that was also like, who? But in finding out more about him, it's like, oh, okay, this this makes sense for what they're trying to talk about. It is a PBS show, so I feel like PBS is, uh, you know, slated a bit more towards education and learning. So that uh, kind of tips their hat in terms of what guest stars they can get. It's not just going to be, you know, eventually we'll see Matt Damon on the show. But it's not just Matt Damon. It's a lot of other people, too. So let's get into it. My top five of the season. Um, this was, it was a little tough towards the bottom end, just trying to, uh, put everything together. So first one is at number five, Breezy Listening Blues. This one in the sense of, it kind of exists, it does still exist more in the medium parts of things to me, but there's a couple of things that kind of push it over the top. We talked about this one most recently. I liked all the representations of the bands. I liked all of the coming together of the Arthur continuity. When shows this long nod to their continuity, it really makes it better for people like you or I who have been watching for a long time. Uh, and some of the some of the visuals and the dream sequences were really interesting too. So that one, I think I will remember. Like you say, breezy listening blues. That's like I really remember what that is. Uh, Arthur makes waves is my number four. I liked this. One of the things that I'm a big fan of that I think they really stepped up with in season nine is having Molly as a character and using more of their background. Te like template characters is something that I think that I, I I really hope that they continue to do as the show goes on. Molly's great. I think she's such a unique uh, force to have on the show, and I liked her kind of being humanized a bit more. You know, she doesn't have to be part of the gang, but I 
just really appreciate character depth. And I think this was really a really um, what what's the word I would use? A smart way to do it because she's not you know she and Arthur are friendly. They're not like best friends, but by the end of the episode, you're just like, okay, well, this is still going to be a thing going forward in the background. But still, it's not like they have to stop being friends at the end of the episode or something. So I appreciated that. Number three, Binky goes nuts, of course. Binky episodes got to make it on here. I feel like they've been getting a bit stingy with the Binky episodes. But by that same token, I wonder if I would appreciate them as much if there was, you know, two or three of them per season. So as as much as I'm left wanting more from the amount of Binky episodes, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I should kind of count my blessings that Binky hasn't been overplayed at this point. I really thought, I really like this. It also got me to thinking about, you know, peanut allergies and how dangerous they can be. And it kind of got me to remembering what those were like to, you know, when I was growing up. It got me to thinking about how living with this sort of thing might be difficult. And I think that's when Arthur's Ed's best, when it's giving you empathy for people that you uh, never had empathy for before, or rather didn't understand as much as you did. So kudos to that one. Also very, very funny, a little scary even. And uh, I think that's, I think it's a winner. Number two, this one was, I'm surprised by how high up this is. It's Lights, Camera, Opera. Yeah, it's the Muffy episode. I'm surprised myself. But what I loved is, I mean, usually when I say I love an Arthur episode, um, the message is what really sticks out for me. I think I'm a person who um, really, if a mess, if a message resonates with me, then that's a, then that's a quality episode. And I love the message of like what you like and don't be afraid, you know, to like that. And you know, it's easy to say sometimes if you if you make up something in a show that's like, uh, you know, the, you know, it'd be it'd be something if Muffy was really into like Dopeymon or something. But no, she's into this like really fringe thing that like almost no kid is interested in, and that's opera. But I bet you there are some kids that are, and or you can compare opera to basically any other fringe interest, and the and the message is if well it's it's about you know defending not defending but being secure in what you like and also leaving yourself open to find new things that you like because the moment Muffy opens herself up to opera she loves it so I was really pleased for that I think they handled it in a really good way and of course Rodney Guilfrey has an amazing voice so it kind of opened my eyes to opera a little bit as well and uh, I think they did a really good job with this message number one this was kind of hard to determine because of all the episodes on my list so far I feel like any of them could be number one in one way or the other. But there's one X factor that really shot this one up to the top. It was kind of <laughs> a little unfair almost because there is no other episode in the season that has Dr. Frederick Fugue, who is uh, fast becoming, like, I again, kind of like Binky. I wish I had more Dr. Fugue, but if I had more, would I want less? I don't know. But tipping the scales is my number one. I liked the story behind this. I loved 
Dr. Fugue interacting with all the other kids. I think that he's such a fun character. And the fact that he is, he's kind of like the new Ratburn at this point, because Ratburn has been softened to the point where he's more of a comedy character, which is totally fine. I mean, it's to be expected over nine seasons, now going into ten. So Dr. Fugue still has a bit of an edge to him, and he can kind of boss around the kids in a way that's good-natured, but also has a little bit of a punch behind it. So I really, I really love seeing him again. And uh, this was, this was a lot of fun. It was also kind of sweet at the end too. So I think this is my number one for the season, tipping the scales. So there you go. That's my top five for season nine. Going into season 10, uh, it's going to be a celebration of Arthur in a sense. Our first episode of season 10 that'll be coming up next week is called Happy Anniversary, and there's a bit more of a stronger meaning behind that than you might realize, so we'll be getting into that soon. Uh, Also, I will tell you this on the Patreon coming up in two weeks on For the Kids. Our next episode is going to be Wishbone. Sorry if that's a little bit of a spoiler for any of our patrons, but yes, Wishbone is going to be... I'm so excited. I can't wait to talk about that with Lucas. So if you're not aware, For the Kids is a Patreon-exclusive podcast where Lucas and I are talking about every other PBS Kids show. Usually what happens is I do a little bit of history up at the top, and then we talk about an episode usually suggested by our patrons. So if that sounds cool to you, you can go to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And uh, there's a bu- been a bunch of new content there as well. And we're paying a special attention to our um, to our content these days because we've been getting a lot of messages from you guys that has been like we've been we've been able to help you through the episodes we were able to put out. So that's motivated me to do that even more. So we want to make this continue to make this entertaining and help you out during this difficult time. And speaking of help in a difficult time, that would also be our patrons. So a quick roll call before we end off the episode. Uh, thank you to Aaron DeFilippo and Alex, Andrew Power, Caitlin Harrington, Shander LaFave Boten, Christine Liscody, Christine Wong, Sierra S., Dan Mike Dawson Silva, EJ Acra, Emily K., Froppy, Greg Hagai, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John Dulong, John Griswold, Josias Melendez, Kat, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Kristen, Leanne S, Light Relentless, Lily Warden, Lion Dog, ZXA, Macy Ball, Marlo Stanfield, Matt, Melissa Avalez, Michaela Gibson, Pretty Cool Stairs, Rachel Pearson, Riley Stevens, Shayna Bennett, Shelby Eden Dawkins Law, Stella Teresa, William, and Yoshi. That's going to do it for this episode of Elwood City Limits, this Season 9 recap. Lots of fun, and I know that we're going to have even more as Season 10 comes along next week. Thank you very much for continuing your support of this show, whether you're a patron or whether you listen every week, whether you're catching up on the backlog and maybe you're hearing this one a little bit late. No matter which way you interact with the show, we're very grateful for you, especially in this tough time. You guys... Uh, it's it's no understatement. The fact that you guys keep listening and keep interacting with the show means a lot to me. It brings up my spirits on a daily basis whenever I see an email or a message or anything from you guys. It really does help. So thank you again. My name's Will Young. For Lucas Mancini, that's Elwood City Limits for this week, and we will see you next time.